We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, Dojo family. I am so excited today to bring you one of the Dojo Council members, a new member into the Dojo Council. Taylor just completed the six-month arc from the level one Dojo Immersed container into the level two Dojo Masters container, and now is officially a member of the Dojo Council. And it has been such a wildly powerful gift to witness the transformation that has occurred in this woman over the course of just six months. Like, wow. And so I really want to track that journey together with Taylor. She is an embodied invitation for love, truth, transparency, connection to your body. She's a holistic therapist, an incredible yoga facilitator, and she has stepped forward on her mission and lining up with her Dharma, facilitating, holding, I think your next retreat is already sold out, like nearly sold out or Mm -hmm. close to it and has stepped forward and really owning her gifts and what it is that she is here to do. So I would love Taylor for you to just share a little bit in your own language first to the whole dojo family, who you are and what lights you up and how you serve on the planet at this time, just so they can kind of get a dose of you before we really get into it, you know? Yes. Hi, everyone. I am so excited and grateful to be here. It has definitely been a journey over the past six months. I can say wholeheartedly that I'm a completely different woman than I was six months ago. But the majority of my work, you know, is a lot of just connecting our brains, our minds and our hearts and undoing a lot of the conditioning that we grow up with that tells us to live a certain way or be a certain way. And and we really undo those stories and we trace it back to childhood, lineage-based healing, and and look at the broader picture that there's so much more to these feelings and the 
these experiences that define us. So just really helping people peel back those layers to get back to their authentic self. And when we can peel back those layers to that place of self-love, then we're able to radiate it out to the world. So really I help people love themselves and tap back into their own portal of divine love within. Mm -hmm. And you truly embody that, you know, we, we teach what we walk, you know, Mm -hmm. and the integrity of the invitation that you are and the work that you do in the world at this time comes from a place of having actually walked it yourself. And I've been privileged to witness you on that journey. And so I'd love to get into that, how that journey has been for you since we've met, which was such a synchronistic orchestrated meeting. We met in Colorado on a dear friend's property there. And Taylor was dating one of the brothers (laughs) there. And I was living there for a time and she was in the kitchen one day and we just dropped in and it was this instant recognition of like, oh, wow, there's work to do here. There's a connection on a soul level here. And I remember I fell in love with you and you were sharing with me about how important it was to you to get all of your plants transferred safely. (laughs) You had like how many plants that you were nurturing? Like 50. Like 50 plants that you were getting from the States to Hawaii or where were you? That was the mission was like, how can I keep these plants intact and alive and get them across the world to Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah. So you were really amidst a big life transition, moving from the mainland over to Hawaii, already in a trajectory of changing the form of your own life. I know at that time there had been a loss in the family. I'm curious if you'd be willing to share about that and kind of open up the doors to where you were at the level of heart and being when we met. And so that kind of gives a doorway into, into you. And then we can track the journey. Mm-hmm. From there. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, whew, yes, I, um, I took a six week trip to Hawaii right before meeting you to see if I wanted to move here. And in that six weeks, it was my first time since starting my business, you know, my own practice of therapy that I was, you know, not working for years. It was the first six weeks and years. And so I didn't bring my computer. I didn't have a car. It was just me and the ocean and my Airbnb. And I was so excited to be and just refigure out who I was at this time. And two weeks into the trip, I had had these intuitive pings that something wasn't right. And my grandmother, you know, took her own life. And that was absolutely shocking. Um, A little backstory on my grandmother, you know, that was my human, my person that just, I really feel like saw me and we just, I knew I always had a safe place with her. And growing up, my parents didn't always follow through with what they would say. and, And it was, you know, she was my person I could count on. And so Unfortunately, too, you know, my whole life, her father also committed suicide. So this is that lineage, you know, this is kind of how I get into lineage based healing within my own business. And by seeing that she looked me in my eyes my whole life and told me that she would never do that to me because of how it impacted her. So to be at this trip two weeks in and to get that call from my parents, like was, it was the most shocked my nervous system had ever been in in my whole life, the most in denial, the most I just, I wasn't accepting of it. You know, I was, and I didn't have anything to take my mind off of the pain. Mm. 
so for the first time in my life, I've been such a busybody growing up. You know, I was, I believe my grandma's passing was the wake up call I needed to embody the slow, the slow, calm, embodied life is actually how I wanted to live, but I needed something to hit me in the face, you know? And so when I found this out, I, for the first time was just sitting in pure pain, like just me and my house and no one around. And it was, Sometimes I found myself, you know, laying face down on the floor. Some days I was, I just, I couldn't understand how I was going to process that. And that happening, I felt a part of my soul change. Like it felt like a part of my joy was taken that I was never going to be able to get back. So then I, you know, make this random detour. I already had a flight back to North Carolina and our mutual friend was like, change the flight and, and stop by my place in Colorado. and when I got there, that's when I ran into you. And so you literally met me like right as I was, I was hesitant to even come to that house because, you know, I had this story of like, I don't want to meet all these people in this energy. Like this isn't the me that I know. This isn't the me that I want to portray to the world. And it was my first time, like really choosing to speak my truth and be like, this is the depths that I am in. And I'm still here experiencing meeting people and doing things. So Wow the kismet, the timing of that, it just blows my mind, you know, and I, there's stories like that with so many of the women in inside the dojo ecosystem. And for anyone listening, you know, we, we offer an ecosystem of transformational arenas, two, three month containers that once the women graduate from the second three month container, there's an invitation to enter the council, which is an ongoing drumbeat for the entire sisterhood to really have a safe place to be held, be seen, to serve, to you know, receive reflection as we step more and more and more into our power and navigate the no matter whatness of life. And so I really trust the way that life has supported the curation and coming together of the women mm -hmm. throughout all of these containers. And for anyone listening, as you listen to the Dojo podcast, this is, you know, these containers are quite intimate. You know, we cap them intentionally and keep them small because we do in-person deep dive ceremonial immersions and we, we really prioritize depth. And so this really, it's not about scale and the in-person containers, it's about depth. And so the podcast, what you're listening to now is the one way that I've found so far to transmit a dose of what we live and experience inside the deeper, more intimate containers, but at scale where people all over the world can hear the stories of the women who walk in this way and journey in this way. And I know there's so many women all over the world listening to this right now who are taking in pieces of Taylor's story. And I, I want to continue to name on these podcasts that if you get a spark and you're continuing to get a spark, those are signals to reach out, you know, to reach out, click the links to my website in the show notes and fill out an application for the live liberation dojo experience for one of the group containers that run a couple times a year and get active about your opportunity to be held and to be met and to weave and to grow in these ways. And so the, magic of the way life orchestrates the example of Taylor, just like 
making it to this property in Colorado that I had my own journey in terms of how I even arrived there, which you can listen to in many of the previous episodes. It's like, wow, I so appreciate lately the way life really does that. And I mm-hmm. want to say that those of you who are listening, there's no exception, you know, like the fact that you're listening right now to this episode from wherever you are in the world and however this moment is touching you in exactly the way that it needs to, I am getting excited about <laughs> that. Like that within itself, I'm like, wow, the way life sets itself up with such precision, it's extraordinary. And I think the more we pay attention and the more we choose to notice when that's occurring, the more often that we'll notice that it's occurring. And so I would encourage, that's one encouragement here is notice where that's occurring in your life. Notice those moments where you can look back and say, wow, if that one shift didn't happen, then I wouldn't have met this person that changed my life. You know, like God, like how incredible and how effortless, like that wasn't planned. There wasn't an effort in it. Taylor didn't like set up her schedule to be sure that she was there on that day at that time. Like it's truly the most synchronistic kismet meaningful moments occur out of the pure force of life flowing through you. And just the trust that's made that available when we lean in and surrender. And it's like, those have come through the most effortless expressions, right? It's Mm -hmm. often when it's the unplanned moments that I find become the most magical when we look back, that is. So here we are, we're in Colorado. Taylor and I are dropping in. We're like, for you know, we're like not even paying attention to all the men on this property. We're like, she and I are like, oh my God, hi. You know? And we get this deep dive. And, you know, I really, I hear your story. And I recall at that time you were sharing how, like how scary being vulnerable was for you in that very early stage. Like I remember part of the initiation into the container for you was being willing to be seen in your emotional Mm -hmm. expression. And like, you were just so forthright with me about how scary that felt for you. And so then I remember the arc of the first container that we did together there was such a deepening in that from the beginning until the end. And then through Dojo Masters as well, geez, by the end, there was such a shift. So I want to hear about the origins of where that contraction around fear of being vulnerable in front of others and also like not feeling safe to be seen in your emotions. And then also the like lone wolf energy that I know a lot of the women in your group also share this like idea that, you know what, I have to hold it. I have to do it all on my own. And also putting like a pin in everything you shared about your grandmother and that deep relationship that you shared with her, because she certainly has come in as a character in our journey together as as well in terms of a lot of your gifts unlocking. So just want to kind of name all those things. And for anyone listening, who's experienced loss through suicide of a loved one, you know, may this expression coming through Taylor and the relationship that she's continued to cultivate with her grandmother serve as healing balm on the soul. So let's take it back to those origins of, you know, in terms of emotional expression and allowing yourself to be seen and known, like, what are the roots of that? So growing up, I'm really, you know, not sure the answer to this still, but anytime that we expressed in my house, an emotion that wasn't like if I cried or expressed something 
I would be told to stop and that it was ridiculous and that I was dramatic. And so I learned that like expressing anything other than the face of like, look, you know, I was a competitive gymnast. And so when I was thriving and performing, I was always being rewarded. It was very conditional, right? It was like, do this, earn this, get love. And so I learned how to put this mask on of, oh, well, I'm the cheerleading captain and the the valedictorian. And, you know, it was like, nobody could possibly know anything was wrong because of this like hard warrior mask I would put on. And And then that's why when I, you know, had this event happen to me, like my grandmother, that cracked me wide open. I felt the need to disclose, like feeling emotional, but I don't really process this with people usually. And it was that moment of me just speaking that because I wasn't, I couldn't mask this one. It was too deep. Mm -hmm. And so that would be for me, like where that originated and doing that for so long, you know, 20 six years of doing that it's this association pattern I can just go right into and we work through that in the in the dojo container and you know when you say transformational arena like I can't help but just bust out laughing because truly like that container was I remember getting up there and you have this skill and this ability to you can't put on the mask it's like the second the mask starts coming on you would literally interrupt me and be like no take it off. Like, you know, with love, but it was like, there was no hiding, there was no masking. And it was just, you know, I was absolutely terrified for every Wednesday call in Dojo One, because I had no clue what we were going to be doing. And now going into Dojo Two, I can't wait for the calls. And the level of leadership and embodiment that I've been able to hold at my own personal retreats now is the transformational arena. Like I am doing voice activations and all these things where like, I didn't even have a voice going into this. So that's, um, you know, really that the origin of my emotion. So is where we were. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's like the deepest fulfillment for me and and such a deep why for doing this work is witnessing each one of you guys in your shine, you know, it's beautiful to see. And so as we kind of orient in those root points, because my intention is that anyone listening, as we said, all around the world, I really trust the the timing and that there will be ears that are pinging on their own origin stories. So this is for all of you who haven't felt safe to be seen in your feelings, haven't felt safe to be vulnerable with women or men, have felt the misbelief that you need to lone wolf it and pretend you got it all together and take over responsibility for everyone else's emotions. But God forbid you display your own in any level of I'm not okay, right? And all the side effect beliefs of that, like my feelings don't matter, right? I'll be too much, right? I don't want to take up too much space. These are some, I'm not saying they're tailors, but they're belief structures that I hear a lot with individuals that have had origin stories with family systems and parents that did not have the capacity to actually attune to their emotional needs. Mm -hmm. And that's a true story for many of us. And so when we have parents that are unable to actually attune to our emotional needs as a child, we are highly intelligent systems. We will start to compensate and learn, oh, it's not safe for me to not be okay. It's not safe for me to 
need support. And so I become the parent. I become the adult. I know Taylor and I both grew up in households with a parent or two parents that were struggling with addiction, you know? And so it was very unpredictable. She and I have found a lot of through lines together that we've both shared in terms of our upbringing, growing up in environments that were unpredictable, growing up when it's like, you know, you're performing well, and then you get a lot of accolades and support, or you're not performing well, and you have no idea there's could be an explosion, Mm -hmm. catastrophic expression of major punishment or complete withdrawal of love and care. And as a child, that can feel like living in a war zone. And so we develop armor And that armor can express in two different directions. Now, I think Taylor and I both developed actually protection or armor in two different directions. The direction that it's Taylor went that she's describing is more in the direction of, I got it. I'll hold it all together. I, there's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm going to perform well and like zip it up and just not even give you access to what's going on on the inside. And sometimes we dissociate then, and we don't even give ourselves access to what's going on on the inside, because at the time of the origin wounding, we don't have the tools or the capacity, like the nervous system capacity to be with that magnitude of emotion. That's why a healthy relationship with a parent is that we actually need when we're young to co-regulate with an attuned parental figure who can teach us how to regulate our emotions. When we're young children, we don't know when we get really upset, we don't know how to regulate our emotions. And if we don't have a parent that's attuned, we'll either shut our emotions down because it's not safe to feel them, or we will actually just like have no ability to regulate and just be in a tantrum and just an expression and feel left. And it's like a trauma, a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And so for Taylor, I feel like the protection came on that was overly independent, hyper independence. Right. And for me, I actually went more in the direction of going into like a character of feeling like need or people pleasing or like this hyper vigilant, I'll bend over backwards to try to make sure everybody's happy kind of expression, right? Or like demanding for attention, like my emotions being so big that I'm like demanding for attention, which is also a need. It's a need for attention, for support in regulating the emotion. And these are both hyper-independence, zip it up, closure, freeze, and fight, like demand for attention, fight. These are trauma responses and they're common. And so is fawn, right? So fawn is people pleasing, trying to make sure that the dominant authority figure in the family is not going to explode and bend over backwards and walk on the eggshells. These are all learned protection mechanisms and trauma responses that we often carry forward into adulthood until we become very aware of what's happening. And then we need a lot of patience Mm -hmm. passion with ourselves that, oh my God, this younger aspect of me is coming online and taking the reins occasionally when I'm projecting this like 
attachment figure onto my friend or to my partner. And there's this fear of being abandoned or not being attuned to whatever it is for you individually. And so we start to track the way these protectors show up in our, in our, in our life experience. And then we have compassion. It's easy to start to judge ourselves when we see these protection mechanisms arise as adults, but actually I find it to be a gift. And when we start to see, oh, wow, this is actually a pattern for me that arises, we can create corrective experiences for ourselves, which are very healing. So for Taylor, going into the container and choosing to own, wow, I am terrified. There's a, there's a protection mechanism that comes on that wants me to close down, freeze, zip it all up and not let myself be witnessed in the truth of my emotion because she didn't have reference points of that from when she was a child and growing up. The meeting of this group of women whose priority it is to stay present with her and walk with her through the no matter whatness of whatever's there, right on the back end of the loss of her dearest grandmother, who, by the way, I'm bringing her forward intentionally because she's been present in spirit as an ally through the entire six-month arc, and I'll let Taylor take us there. But by Taylor doing that consciously, she consciously leaned into that edge and let herself be witnessed, and she had to fake it till she made it for a second. That became a corrective experience where she got to experience like, I'm not certainly not her mother, but like an authority, a female authority figure, right? Mm -hmm. Which we've definitely dissolved any pedestalization in the container. And there's, it's not that, but there is something medicinal Mm -hmm. about recognizing, oh, wow. Like for me having the, you know, a father, in and out of treatment and struggling with addiction and this unstable, unhealthy relationship with the masculine, it's been exquisitely powerful for me to consciously see where my protection mechanisms come up with the men in my life and then to attract men in my life, specifically elder figures who come in with stability and care and unconditional love and deep reflection And that can serve as, or has served as a corrective experience for me to actually feel like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. I can trust this. My nervous system feels safe in this. And that can happen with like mentors, like elder mentor figures of the like masculine elder mentor. It can also happen in recent partnerships I've had with my masculine partners, where when they have come in as a safe space of unconditional love for me to be wherever I'm at and to have the opportunity to regulate, co-regulate in the field of a masculine figure who deeply loves me and is in the energy of devotion. And I can regulate into that and create a reference point of that. It's a healing corrective experience. And then the protection releases. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow. And so there is, while it's really important, we do this work for ourselves and we don't come from a place of lack or need. I think it's also important that we recognize as humans, we are not meant to do it alone. Mm -hmm. We are not meant to do it alone. So I really honor the work that you did in the container to come in and be willing and show up in your leadership, which can look like that vulnerability you know? Mm -hmm. And so we go through, you know, the immersed container and I want to bring it into the deep dive in-person 
immersion that we did. And this was the first time I think you had an experience where you connected with your grandmother because Mm -hmm. the expansion can come in many ways. One of the ways is the direct experience of receiving from the field. And another way is by unlocking gifts that you didn't know that you had. And so I'd love to hear if you're open to sharing, what was your experience like when you felt the presence of your grandmother in that immersion? So going into that immersion, you know, I had no idea what to expect. And I had really, in my mind, not expected to go where we went. And so it was so, you know, unplanned. And it was a true experience of just spirit channeling through you and through me that it took me to places I didn't think I could go. And so I remember, you know, laying there in your arms, essentially. And just for the first time, I openly expressed in front of a group of people, the pain that I was in from this experience. And I had a moment where I froze and remembered that I was in front of a group of people. And then as soon as I looked up and I I literally saw the eyes of every single woman in the circle, and I felt through their eyes, we're like, we're here with you. And I was able to like lay back down and released in that way that those huge cries and and that was like such a healing moment for me because I had never just been held in my pain like that you know growing up when I cried I was locked in my room so I really didn't understand like nurturing of like that kind of energy and so you know once you started calling in my grandmother it was you know, I really leaned into the trust of like in my body, I was like, okay, like this woman, she, she's got this and you called her in. And the fact that, you know, we didn't mention this earlier, but my grandmother on my mother's side also took her own life. So this is on both sides of my lineage, you know, they both came into the ceremony and apologized to me essentially. And it was this, you know, this moment of realizing that nobody meant this abandonment wound that's so much deeper than me, right? My parents use substances to numb this and then their parents who took their own lives. And then on my dad's side, her father took his own life. I mean, there's a lot of layers here. And so for them to come in and just be able to say, we're so sorry when like, when we did that, we didn't think about it affecting our lineage. That was the first code of healing of something inside of me shifting. And it felt like, you know, we don't get to know why on this journey, but within that shift, whenever I left that ceremony, an energetic release happened to where the, I don't know what we want to call it, the turtleneck, you know, Christian, just like up, I don't know what we want to call her, just this conservative woman that I had this energy that had been in my family. I left with like this want and desire to like whip my hair down and whip it around and you know, crawl on the floor like an animal. And I was like, what is this? What is this? Like, I've never felt this way in my body. I don't even know what this is. And, and from there, you know, you all held me in, in bringing her to the surface. Yes. Oh, and I see her right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That was just such an extraordinary thing to witness your liberation in that space and witnessing you receiving so deeply. I don't know why I remember I just called you forward and it was was time for you to receive and you did, and you received so deeply. And then we go into the level two container, right? To dojo masters Mm -hmm. and the way you showed up 
in that immersion. First of all, I thought it was hilarious because some of the work in the beginning, we were in the more outward expression and the contrast from where you were in the beginning of Dojo Immerse, where you were in the resistance to the the, the more vulnerable being witnessed. And then in Dojo Masters, like, why isn't this the same? Like, why aren't we doing, why aren't we all like in crying in the court? Like what's happened? What, what, you know? And I was like, wow, Taylor, like she's, you were wanting to keep going deeper. And yeah. so leadership in that way. And we went there in the immersion and what I felt the like wild expanse in your embodiment as a leader in your capacity to both hold yourself at depth and whatever was rising for you and also track the field and track the room and track the hearts of all the women in the space. So often we receive directly through our own process being supported in that, but we also receive through embodying our offering in ways that we didn't even know <laughs> we could do. And I really witnessed you in that, in the, in the second immersion. And I really want to track this line because it became like a, I don't know, just like, I remember all of us, like just falling in love with your grandmother because she kept coming into the space. And I'm curious, I remember you had a big experience also in the bathroom. Yeah. Talking to her. I'm curious if you could speak to that a little bit and just also naming again for whatever feels true to you to share around your actual journey with healing from the loss of your grandparents and their choice to take their lives. And how did that work for you to reconcile that within yourself to the degree that you have? Like, what would you say to those who have experienced that? And and what was your journey like in the second immersion connected to her? So I'll talk about the ceremony first and then kind of explain how that's helped me integrate processing their loss. So, you know, my grandma comes at different times and it's a whole new experience for me to even, you know, I had an experience where a medium came and directly just my grandma channeled things to me directly that were so, it was so her that I couldn't deny this experience. So it's really helped me to lean into all of these other experiences. So when I was in the bathroom, you know, she was just saying to me, include everyone. And I, at first was like, what does this mean? And then, you know, hours later, I went back in the bathroom and this time it was like, I had all these, it almost feels like I put noise canceling headphones in it. They kind of communicate to me through my ears. And so as all these frequencies were coming in, I was noticing it was different channels this time where usually it's just like one. And as I was sitting there, I started to understand that it was both of my grandma's, it was like six of my ancestors essentially. And I felt this soft energy towards my ancestors and this hardness towards my parents. And I realized in that moment in the bathroom, like, wait a minute, my parents are the way they are due to like some type of influence from all of you that I have this, like such a soft place for. And it was this realization of my armor that gets put up. And so as I was sitting there, I was kind of like asking them, you know, what am what like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what do you guys want me to do with this information? And in that moment, I had this just ultimate surrender of holy cow, like I desire a relationship with my mother and father who are still alive. And that's such a, you know, our definitions of relationships are different. And so there is this deep yearning, this yearning to like know my mother and to look into her eyes and this sadness that I don't feel like we really know each other, even though we try. And Mm -hmm. so there's the me who yearns 
And then there's also the me who has moved to Hawaii, which was my dream, who's leading retreats here with my best friends on the team, who's the businesswoman who's successful. And it's like, I didn't acknowledge the one who yearns and my whole life I've been seeking softness and the softness is in acknowledging the one who yearns and allowing her to be seen and held. And so at that time, you know, a knock on the door happened and it was, you know, our dear sister Naya. And she was like, can I come in? And immediately I was like, sure. Like I, I wasn't, you know, I was like in my process and I wanted to hide and she came in and it was so magical because she, she actually heard them as well and asked me if she could channel what they were saying. And she's like, they want you to include everyone. And it was just, that's what they had told me earlier. And she's like, they're laughing because you're crying behind the door, hiding in the bathroom. Like that's what they did their whole life is we hit our pain. And she was like, can we please bring them out to the circle that like they want to come. And I was like, I don't want to take this, you know, the same story. I don't want to take this out to the circle. I don't want to take this energy. And it was Naya held my head in her hands. And she was like, the beauty of sisterhood is, you know, you might not have that relationship with your mother, but we get to share mother energy. So like, let me hold you like a mother right now. And I surrendered into that. And it was so special and, and so healing. And then together we, we took them out to the circle and, you know, all of you were, Hey, we missed you. Welcome back. And it was that moment of like knowing this is exactly where I was meant to be because there was no, it was just, it was so pure. And as soon as I sat down, you know, I had kind of said I was just going to be a space holder. It, the attention did get, you know, reflected to me. And it was, I was sobbing and Naya channeled that song. And there was that moment when I realized my ancestors were, they were literally there was so much pain in the world they're in right now because they don't feel like they have a seat at the circle because of taking their own lives. And it was that moment where I was able to say, you can still sit here, even though you've taken your own life. And, and then we all gave voice to the energy of, yeah, I've actually, grandmas, I've had this thought before too. And like, you actually followed through, like, welcome back, like sit with us, please. And in that moment, that the healing that happened energetically my voice freed. And at the end of the ceremony, I sang a song. Like it was, it was like the last container was so transformational. And there was such a, a softness to this, this pain that has been my whole life with these abandonment wounds. It was like, you can still sit here. And, and that actually birthed the inspiration of who I am as a facilitator, because I realized this is what I'm here to do is to create circles that everyone can sit at if they're in their fucking joy and if they're wanted to kill themselves yesterday like they, they can all sit at my circle and everybody in the circle knows that and it's just hmm. the last container I held I felt that and it's just it's it's just been such a metamorphosis journey oh I just I feel your heart right now so deeply <sighs> so deeply and all the lives the ripples of impact that you are making already now it's a function of your willingness to stick with the journey and stick with yourself and stay by yourself and stand with yourself and be willing to lean into those uncomfortable edges and those uncomfortable moments every time, every step of the way, you know, to learn that I've got me yeah. and you help, like you helped hold me in that, that I feel like that's the vibration of, of women you attract is like when we can hold ourselves in the absolute, you know, worst thing that could happen, 
we can do anything. We can create anything. That's right. That's right. And it's the truth ultimately, right? There's this funny dichotomy. It's a paradox that ultimately, I mean, ultimately, I can't even say ultimately, maybe that's not true. Maybe (laughs) we are together, you know, but while we're in form, while we're in form, we've chosen to come into form, which is the choice to experience separation, which is an inherent part of having a body like your body. I'm in my body. Taylor's in her body. It seems that we are separate. Right. So that's why I said, oh, ultimately, maybe at the level of (laughs) then we're all connected. Right. So it's this interesting paradox because we came from a place of being all in all connected. And then we come into this experience of separation and we get to wherever we have our own individual karma and our own individual wounding. And that's a function of our own individual ancestral line and our own individual Mm -hmm. healing journey. Ultimately, you're the only one in there right? Like you have to do the work that you're here to do and meet yourself in the places that are the most uncomfortable, especially at those wild edges of grief. Oh my goodness. You know, Uh do you have something to say? Yeah. I just, I wanted to touch on the loss part of the integration. If that's a good time, I forgot to mention that, but I would say just off of this, it's been almost a year and I'm just now starting to not think about it constantly. And I think just remembering the timeline of grief is like letting yourself have those days where you don't try to not feel sad, like honor the sadness, let the tears flow, have someone you can, you know, the group you can, someone you can say to, I'm struggling today. Can you send me a prayer and not need anything from them, but just acknowledging like I'm out here today, struggling can be so helpful and just, honoring the journey that he or she has walked because if we were talking about our friend or a loved one and they came to us still grieving we would never we would never shame them or make them feel bad for that for feeling that way we would hold them and nurture them and so having compassion for the one who's just experienced that and taking that bird's eye view of self of like wow look what my poor innocent being has been through let me love and nurture her and like hold her in the depths of this because this is a lot and this is life. And Mm -hmm. so I think just honoring time. Yeah. That's such an important point. And, you know, I trust that anyone listening is able to kind of start to entrain into that permission for yourself. Right. Cause obviously you can feel the integrity of Taylor's expression. She's walked this. She's had those days. She's learned by resisting it and trying to make the sadness different. And like, and then realizing that doesn't work. And that's Mm -mm. actually what the part of her that sad needs. And Mm -hmm. just to circle back to what I was saying is that ultimately, right. We have to touch those edges on our own. Like she's the only one in there. Right. And it's like a, this and, and it can become a shadow. If you believe, especially if you already have lone wolf kind of tendencies and believe Mm -hmm. you, you have become, you know, the parent of your parents and you tend to take over responsibility. It's important that you let yourself know that, okay, I know it's up to me to be with myself right here and I can be together in the aloneness, the ultimate experience that we each have of, wow, I I actually, when it comes down to it, have to process through this emotional experience 
this mm. experience of loss, this experience of grief, it's moving through this body that is mine. How so we alchemize. And I can also meet it while I'm in the presence of another nervous system that loves me and that isn't necessarily going through that experience and like help can support you in, in training into an energy of unconditional love and of permission to be exactly right where you are, whether that's a dear friend or you desire to go deeper inside this, the dojo ecosystem or a parent or a mentor, whatever it is for you, just please know, especially when it comes to grief, you do not have to be alone mm-hmm. while you're going through it alone, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You no. Know? Wow, Taylor, this conversation, I had no idea what direction we were going to go in. And I sometimes make assumptions before these podcasts that I intentionally don't plan too much around the direction I think it'll go. And it, it always just goes in the perfect direction. And I, I really feel the value of the transmission that came through you today for those who have experienced the loss of a loved one, whether that was voluntary or involuntary and just being in the, like, you're not alone in the experience of, Mm -hmm. of loss, you know, and how to reconcile that and how to give yourself to your own growth and your own journey. And what a gift from your grandparents, ultimately for you to find yourself in your why for wanting to be alive and how you get to turn around the wheel of that particular pattern of just being at the edge of this is too much and actually knowing like, no, like I can, it might feel like it sometimes, but I have cultivated the tools and done the work to know how to be with myself and call upon my allies and my friends and my sisters and my ancestors embodied and not in order to meet whatever's here in this life journey and your life is a testament. Your life is an inspiration. And I really feel just excited for all the lives that your life now gets to touch. And I have no doubt that your grandmothers also feel the same as they walk with you as spirit allies, you know, in this mm-hmm. life. And it's been so fun to meet them. They come with good <laughs> advice. So Taylor has also opened her Oracle and her channel and her intuitive. And so I've really witnessed her channeling in wisdom coming through her ancestral line and they are lit. They're they lit. are, they are. And the way that everyone has met them is so, so special that right as I was about to draw a card for the second ceremony, one card fell out of the deck and I didn't even draw. And when I picked it up off the ground, it was grandmother spirit. And the whole room was like, Marcy, what's up? Because we knew. Mm-hmm. We knew she was present, you know? So yeah. thank you. Taylor, and thank you, Marcy, your grandmother, for participating in the creation of you. I love you. I'm so grateful for you and your presence in my life. I'm so excited and honored to continue to walk together in all the ways that we will. And I'd love to invite you to share how anyone listening who would like to go deeper with you in any of the territories that you've named on this podcast, how can they reach you? What are what's coming up in your retreat schedule and just share here. We can also put links in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I just want to reflect back to you. I love you so much and so grateful. I find it so, it's so aligned and divined the way that the story has been unfolding. And I, I'm just so excited to see this is, we've just like opened our, our channel together. So 
it's been like six short months. Uh-huh. And I, I love that year fellow Scorpio energy that I feel like we're both kind of people that it takes us a little bit to like warm up, but, but like we drop in hard when we get warmed up. That's right. Yes, we do. And we're yeah. just started six months. I know it feels like we've been through like five lifetimes, <laughs> but yes. So coming up, I have a retreat in Asheville, North Carolina, November 11th through the 14th. So I have half sold out right now. So it's, I haven't put the link out yet, but when I do, that's what's coming up. It's a liberation, embodiment, yoga, holistic wellness, just spiritual reset is kind of what my retreats are. So I intuitively slow them. They're never the same, but we just do all kinds of things that get people out of the box. We do poetry. Um, you meet amazing community and a lot of the community that comes to some retreats come to all of them. And so you start to see familiar faces. We do about four a year. And the next one after that, I'll be starting a container in January where it's going to be six weeks, six weeks of group workshops and meeting, and then an integration and then six weeks following. So those are the two things I have coming up. And then I, this year launched my business in a team model. So it's called the high vibe tribe travel tribe. And essentially we host events here in Hawaii and we also go all over. So if you come to one of our events and you're like, I really want to meet with my friends in Austin, then you just tell me how many, and I plan the entire reset for you. And the team comes to the location of your choice. And we essentially execute that for you and your friends. And we do weddings, baby blessings, retreats. And then the team that I have is, oh my gosh, so much gratitude to them. There is so many special souls. And we do, you know, one-on-one support as well with just people that are starting their spiritual awakening and need that hand, that handhold just to stay on track as your reality changes. And you're kind of like, you know, everything feels different, but it looks the same. It can be a very confusing process. And so it can be beautiful just to have that person to hold you through that, sending you resources, books, conversations. So yeah, you can find us on social media and our link trees on there. And it is such an honor. It's my favorite thing to hold space. So I would love, love to connect with you guys there. And then I also have a podcast called Cosmic Connections. So thank you so much. Well, we'll add all those links in the show notes and I'm just so grateful for this time together. Taylor, thank you for showing up in all the ways that you do. Thank you to all of you who are listening for opening your hearts wide to transmission today. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. If this episode or any of the episodes have touched you, it would be so supportive. If you would leave a review, it really helps this show touch more hearts all around the world. And with that, I am looking forward to seeing all of you next time. Thanks for joining. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. 
I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.